Have you seen this pirate? He goes by the name Captain Blackstash, and he and his thieves of joy are stalking the good people of York County. Watch out. We've been talking about things that steal our joy if we let them. Uh, based on the feedback so far, uh, this series uh, seems to be one that uh, is really resonating uh, with many of us. Things like worry, bitterness, negativity, busyness, and guilt are notorious joy thieves. But the good news is it doesn't have to be that way in our daily lives. We can find lasting joy that sustains us through the hard times. Today we're going to focus on negativity. Sounds exciting, right? Who's excited about a, neg a, a message on negativity? Well, such a message might hardly seem like it's worth uh, getting out of bed to hear. There's already so much negativity in our world, and we encounter enough of it already, don't we? Well, we do, and that's the point. Uh, we're frequently exposed to negativity. It has the potential to affect uh, how we think, speak, and act uh, if we let it. Today we're going to consider what negativity does to us and how we can overcome this joy thief. I'm going to mention three points for each category. The effects of negativity and how we can overcome it. As we go along, you can fill in the blanks on uh, your GPS, the Grow, Pray, Study Guide uh, in your bulletin. And that will help you better understand God's message for us today and how to apply it to your life this week so you can live with more of God's joy each day. What does negativity do to us? Negativity turns our opportunities into obstacles. The difference between an obstacle and an opportunity is largely our attitude, how we choose to see our situation. I consider the words of a wise and famous philosopher named Eeyore. Eeyore is a character in the Winnie the Pooh books by A.A. A. Milne. And Eeyore, as I was uh, telling the kids, uh, is, is uh, pessimistic and gloomy gray stuffed donkey. Uh, he has a long detachable tail with a bow on the end and he's very fond of his tail but he's prone uh, to losing it. Eeyore is known for being glum and dejected. Uh, one day his friend Pooh uh, greets him with a cheerful good morning. Um, in response Eeyore says gloomily Good morning, Pooh. If it is a good morning, which I doubt. Another time, Pooh approaches Eeyore and he says, Lovely day, isn't it? And Eeyore responds, Wish I could say yes, but I can't. Instead of seeing opportunities for a new day, Eeyore sees obstacles. Eeyore sees what's wrong in every situation or what could go wrong. 
I love Eeyore. I mean, he's kind of a lovable, pessimistic donkey. <laughs> but, and obviously, this is a fantasy world that, that he and Pooh live in, talking bears and, and, and donkeys. And yet, one reason the Winnie the Pooh stories have endured for so long is that as strange as the characters are, and as distant as the world of uh, Christopher Robin and company may seem from our world, there are still ways in which we can relate to them. Their stories are stories that we can identify with in one way or another. You can see the situations you face as opportunities or obstacles. Each day brings new possibilities as well as challenges. Will you think of your disappointments as a reason to become gloomy or as an opportunity to learn and grow? Will you see conflict with another person as an obstacle to your being happy or as an opportunity to create a better relationship? Will you see the gift of a new day as a series of obstacles or opportunities? No one can answer that question but you. If you think negatively, if you choose to see what's wrong in every situation or what could go wrong, you will miss out on the many opportunities God brings your way, and you will create obstacles for yourself that don't even exist. Negativity also repels positive people and attracts negative people. Uh, people who are looking for the good in life, full of faith, who believe they can overcome the challenges they face, do not want to be brought down by people who are constantly negative. They will not voluntarily spend any more time than they must with grumbling, complaining people. Uh, Saturday Night Live did a, a series of skits on this very thing, and here's a video with the theme song. You're enjoying your day, everything's going your way, then along comes Debbie Downer. Always there to tell you about a new disease, a car accident or killer bees. We beg her to spare you, Debbie, please, but you can't stop Debbie Downer. To any Debbies out there, sorry. If it's any consolation, you're not alone. Uh, in December, I preached a sermon about uh, being lukewarm, which is not a good thing spiritually. And afterwards, Pastor Luke uh, said that he takes offense at the term lukewarm. My friend Chuck has never been a fan of Upchuck. <laughs> to get back to negativity, a study by Stanford University dealt with the effects of exposure to people who drone on about how bad things are. The article about the study is called, listen to this, listen to this title, Listening to Complainers is Bad for Your Brain. <laughs> and it's true. The, the, the evidence proves that. The, the study reports that exposure to 30 minutes or more of negativity actually peels away neurons in the section of the brain that helps with insight and problem solving. Positive people know instinctively that listening to people who constantly complain is not good for them. 
We all know people who do this. If I asked you to think about the people in your life who act this way, who are consistently negative, uh, you could easily do that. Some of you might be thinking about those people uh, right now. Don't think too much, though, because 30 minutes or more, it peels away the neurons in your brain. Um, it's no fun to be around people who radiate negativity. It's draining. Their negativity drains your joy. I was talking with someone about this message on uh, negativity a couple days ago, and she said, here's a good example. A friend was telling her about a recent vacation her friend had taken, but all her friend was doing was complaining about it. The flight was delayed. I had to sit on the plane next to this strange person. They made us wait an extra 20 minutes before we could check in at our hotel because they weren't ready for us. You might hear stuff like this and think, well, who could be ready for you? And she listened to her friend go on and on about all that was negative about the vacation. Then she asked, did you have any fun on your trip? Uh, was there anything that was, you know, enjoyable? <laughs> In practically every situation we face, we could find some things that are negative and some things that are positive. That's true for our job. It's true for your health. It's true for your relationships and your family life. Some aspects are positive and some aspects are negative. What do you choose to focus on? If we complain all the time and are pessimistic about everything, positive people who can help us dream more, do more, achieve more, and be more won't want to be around us. They're not going to let our negativity damage their brains and dampen their spirits. Instead, we will only attract other negative people who'd rather gripe about what's wrong than work to make things right. Negativity breeds more negativity. It also hinders God's work in our lives. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus returns to his hometown. He has just done two extraordinary things. He has healed a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, and he raised a girl who had died from the dead. He brought her back to life. But in Nazareth, he could not do any miracles there, we're told, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus performed miracles everywhere he went. He often healed great numbers of people, but he was unable to do as much in his hometown. Why? Mark tells us it was because of their lack of faith. The people in Jesus' hometown refused to believe in him. At first, they were impressed with his teaching, but then Mark says they took offense at him. Jesus, he's the kid who used to live here, right? He's Mary's son. He was a carpenter when he left here. And now he claims that he can heal people and acts like he's some teacher with authority. No credentials, no training. Who does he think he is? Well, consider these questions. 
Did Jesus have any less power in Nazareth than he had in other places? Did he possess any less compassion? Did he feel any less desire to heal the sick and relieve their suffering? No. Only one thing was different in Nazareth. Rather than being filled with faith, the people were filled with skepticism and negativity. When Mother Teresa was a young nun, she told her superiors that she had a dream to build an orphanage in God's name to care for as many children who were needy as possible. What, what a grand and audacious dream, building an orphanage for God. And here's how her superiors responded. They asked her what resources she possessed. And she, she said, well, I have only three pennies. And when they told her that three pennies would not be enough to build an orphanage, she said, oh, I know that. But with God and three pennies, I can do anything. We were made to have God doing his work in us and through us. Negativity limits that work. It robs us of the joy that comes when God is moving powerfully in our lives. Negativity can do all kinds of things to us, and none of them are good. But we can stop negativity from stealing our joy. We can take hold of the joy that is ours in Christ. How can you overcome negativity? Here are three main ways. First, accept responsibility for your attitude. Some of you likely watched the college football national championship game last Monday night between Clemson and Alabama. One of the things that makes Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney unique is the joyful attitude he brings to his work. Uh, many coaches are best known for their stoic demeanors, even for being curmudgeonly, you know, just on the edge of exploding all the time. Uh, but in that profession, uh, Dabo Sweeney stands out with his overwhelmingly positive perspective. He's a committed Christian, and his faith has inspired him to face adversity on and off the field and to persist in all the adversity that comes his way. His faith also fuels him and his desire to keep things joyful. That's exactly what he does. Uh, he, he breaks into goofy dances uh, in the locker room. After one uh, win, he, he was so, so wonderfully happy. He just he picked up the sideline reporter when she went to interview him. He picked her up and, and gave her a big bear hug. He just radiates Joy. Of course, he and his team work hard. Of course, there are, there are problems that he has to face. It, it can't all be, oh, let's smile and be happy. But they find a way, with him leading the way, to do their work at a high level with great intensity, to work extremely hard, and to have fun. And here's what he says about his philosophy of coaching. He says, I'm always giving my players perspective on life because I don't want the game to be too big. What's the worst that can happen? You lose a ball game? 
hey, let's just put everything into it, and when you look at the man in the mirror, as long as you did your best, you can live with whatever result you got. Sometimes you don't win, and that's okay. The season always starts tomorrow. Last Monday night in the national championship game against mighty Alabama and their legendary coach, Clemson, the underdog, won. And it was their second uh, national championship under Coach Sweeney. He believes strongly in the values of faith, family, and having a positive attitude. He lets that attitude shine through, and he doesn't try to hide it. He believes that work in our daily lives should be joyful. You know, to me, that's inspiring. I want to be on his team. I want to play for the Clemson Tigers. I want to follow Coach Sweeney. But here's the point. Each of us must accept responsibility for the attitude we choose to have. That attitude will go a long way in determining how we live. Accept responsibility for your attitude and choose an attitude that's going to inspire you to keep moving forward. Another way negativity uh, can be overcome in our lives is as we look for the good around us. Look for the good around you. If you want to overcome negativity, look for the good. Negative people focus on what's going wrong. Positive people look for what's going right. Positive people look for the good. Uh, in, in December, a, a group of people covered the Dallastown High School girls' bathrooms uh, with colorful and uplifting messages. And, and those messages said things like, hello, beauty. You are intelligent. You are kind. Your birthday should be a holiday. Thanks for being you. And another one of the, the sticky notes simply said, you are loved. I love this idea. Affirmation can be such a great help for everyone. The comedian Milton Berle said that after he retired uh, from show business, he still wanted to put a smile on people's faces. And so he would often entertain uh, people at, uh, at homes for, for senior citizens. He would begin with a show in the commons area, and then afterwards he'd take some time to walk uh, down the halls and, and visit with people in their rooms, people who, who couldn't be down there in the commons area for the main show. And he once entered a room and saw a dear woman in bed uh, who could hardly lift her head off the pillow. And he, he knelt next to her bed and, and looked at her and he smiled and, and he said, Hi, ma'am, do, you know, do you know who I am? And in response, she was just silent. She looked at him. And then once again, he, he flashed his, his famous you know, comedian smile and he said, Dear, dear friend, do you, know, do you know who I am? And then, then she looked at him and, and she said, no, but if you ask the lady at the front desk, she could tell you. <laughs> In case you've forgotten who you are, let me tell you, you are a child of God. You have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. Peace, joy, love, hope, strength, faith, forgiveness, 
purpose. God has already provided us with all those gifts. You are blessed enough to be grateful. You are bright enough to flourish. You possess more than enough to be content. You are loved enough by God to be confident and secure. That's who you are. The Apostle Paul, uh, who endured far greater hardship uh, than any of us will ever face, and his hardship came directly from following Jesus, from being faithful in the task appointed to him, and he suffered for it. But he found such joy despite the suffering and in the midst of the suffering. And at one point, he wrote these words of promise that are still applicable to God's people today. He said, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Not everything that happens is good. That's not what this verse says. There is evil and injustice and suffering in the world, and you will experience your share before your life is over. But this is God's promise to you. He is in the midst of what you are going through. He will not leave you or forsake you. He loves you. He is faithful. He is working for your good. Look for what God is doing. Don't give in to pessimism and cynicism and fear because one day you will see what God was doing in your life right now in that difficult time you're facing. Ultimately, God was bringing good out of the pain, bringing good out of the hardship and the struggle. God is with you and he is at work turning the challenges and the pain and the difficulties you face, turning them into good. God will have the last word over every part of your life. And that word will be good. Look for it. Look for the good. If you don't see it now, you will. The time will come when you will see the good. And instead of being negative and bitter, you'll live with a thankful heart and a positive mind. Finally, to stop negativity from stealing your joy, identify your influencers. What's influencing you and your attitude? I mean, this happens in all kinds of ways, ways that we can easily see and understand, ways that maybe we don't. I mean, what we expose ourselves to, uh, what voices we hear, what voices do you allow to shape how you view yourself and your circumstances, how you view the world? Are those voices telling you the truth? Are they worthy of your trust and your time? Are they calling forth the best in you? Or are they bringing out the worst? Are they pointing you to what's good and what's worth thinking about and pursuing? In the words of the actress uh, Amy Poehler, find a group of people who challenge and inspire you. Spend a lot of time with them and it will change your life. This is the power of influencers. Who are yours? For years I had a running partner who made certain I hit the trails every day whether I felt like running or not. And I once noticed 
that though we were different heights and, and, and our legs were, were different sizes, when we would run together, our stride was the same. It was exactly the same. It was, it was, it was uncanny. On our runs, we would run and we matched each other step for step, stride for stride. It didn't happen because we planned it. We didn't say, hey, let's see if we can link up in this way. We ran side by side, and inevitably, we were in sync with one another. And it, that's why it happened. It simply happened because when you run with someone, it's normal and it's easier to get in sync, to get in step with each other. It works the same way in life. Uh, you tend to get in step with those you spend the most time with, those who are with you on the journey. You may not have intended uh, to do so. You, you may not even realize that you've done it. But whether it's their mood, their attitude, or their values, you will be influenced by those you spend the most time with. If we follow Jesus, he is the most important influencer in our lives, or at least he wants to be. Ultimately, no matter what anybody else says about us, no matter what the world says about us and who we are, ultimately, who we are is not determined by any of that. Who we are, if we are in Christ, is determined by what Jesus says about us. Uh, the, the Clemson quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, said, I put my identity in what Christ says, who he thinks I am, and who I know that he says I am. If you believe and trust in Jesus, if you follow him as the Savior and our Lord, that's where your identity is found. And he is the most important influencer in your life. Here's what that looks like, looks like for me. Every morning when I wake up, the first thing I do, I get out of bed and I kneel beside my bed and I say a silent prayer. And whereas sometimes I might want to go right away in my mind to thinking about all the things that the day holds or to start checking email or to think about the, the challenging situations that haven't yet been resolved, I've learned the value in blocking that out, first thought, first thing I do, out of bed, kneel by my bed and say a prayer. And a simple prayer. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be the most eloquent. Often I'll say, Lord, thank you for this day. I give my life to you. I'm yours. Help me live for you today. Help me serve you. And then I'll spend some time reading the Bible and listening for God's voice to speak to me through his word. I've found that that's a simple but reliable way to set the tone for the day and for me to open up my heart and my mind to hear from the Lord and to be ready to live for the Lord today. You can do the same. To follow Jesus means you're, you're in sync with him. You're listening to his voice. And that means you have, to, you have to carve out the time and space. You have to stop. You have to expose yourself to him and to his voice. 
And so the plan I use in terms of the Bible reading is uh, a plan called Bible in One Year. Uh, there's information in your bulletin about that plan, whether it's that plan or another one. Find a plan of prayer and reading the Bible. Find a pattern that works for you and do it. It will draw you closer to Christ. There's no more important decision you can make than a daily commitment to following Jesus and having him be the most important influencer in your life. Having him more than anyone or anything else influence how you think, how you speak, how you act, and the kind of person you are becoming. You can let negative people, negative situations, and a negative world form your spirit. If you do, you will live without the joy that is yours in Jesus. Or you can accept responsibility for your attitude. Look for the good. Bring the right kind of influencers into your life. And let the powerful positive truths of God's word determine how you think, what you say, and how you live. Do that, and even in the difficult times, you'll be able to live with faith and joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, help me to overcome negativity and live in the light of your truth. Speak, Lord, and may what you say about me shape who I really am, how I live, and the kind of person I am becoming. Lord, would you be and continue to be the most important influencer in my life. We pray in Jesus' name, and as he taught us now, we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. 